1: Welcome to episode 74 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. My guest and I have already had a whole bunch of laughs without you today. Sorry. Nathan Seward, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, SD. such a pleasure to be here.
1: So excited to have you guys. Oh my gosh, today's going to be so much fun. Just as soon as Nathan said hi to me, I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to have so much fun today. <laughs> so learned a little bit more about him. His self-discovery took him from pilot to coach, and now he teaches his clients to do the same. Um, so I guess they're all pilots, and I'm joking. Um, Nathan all enjoyed of hey, all of them. A successful 16-year career as an airline pilot. I totally want to hear about that before becoming a personal coach and host of the Nathan Seward show. And he believes through the process of self-discovery and self-mastery, entrepreneurs can change the world while creating extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. I believe that too. I like that. We're so on the same page. So he supports entrepreneurs to create game-changing businesses that help people and the planet in new and innovative ways from being a successful entrepreneur in the food industry to leaving at the height of his piloting career to serve others. He's always lived at the edge of his comfort zone, taking on new and challenging things in service of being his best self and serving the world. That's a really nice bio. I like that. I know. I wrote it. Good (laughs) job. So you're a copywriter too, I see.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So, oh my gosh, we could start in so, 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 so many places, but Mm -hmm. I kind of want to start with this food service thing because your whole journey is about like pilot to entrepreneur, but it sounds like you were an entrepreneur before you were ever a pilot.
0: Yeah. I started washing cars for $20 when I was like eight years old. And that was my first business. Terribly unprofitable, but a lot of fun.
1: Why unprofitable? Uh, What does it cost to wash a car? Were you paying for the water?
0: I just remember at one point thinking, you know, my mother is buying me like turtle wax and stuff and it's like $18 and she's buying car wash. <laughs> and I'm just like, Have, there was no expense column in my part of the business. The <laughs> the cream, and I was just taking all the cream off the top. So I think uh, I was making money, but I don't know if it was a great- business.
1: You don't know if it was profitable. I hear you. So I actually, my first business when I was 10, I sold my own handiwork. I made these custom string bracelets. Oh, like the kind you get like on the street in Tijuana. Um, and all my supplies were paid for also by my parents cause I was 10, but mm. I sat down and I calculated my cost of goods sold just in case I'd have to pay for it to make sure I was profitable. I have the, I have the, the paperwork. I, I found that. it when I cleaned up my parents' house.
0: <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny? I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like that from the start. They're just, you know, curious. I, I, I don't know what financial situation was in your family. We, we were middle class, not, not poor, not rich. Us too. Yeah. It was always like how can I make more money? Because you know, the excuse was always like, we don't have the money for that. No, we can't do that. And it's like, well, let me take that into my own hands.
1: Bring totally. Money. <laughs> totally. Like, I grew up in a house where like, money is air. Actually, my brother and I were talking once and he said this in all seriousness. He's like, Esti, money is air. If you are drowning and you have money, you will live. I'm like, dude, you know there's no logic in that, right? Like you, you won't. <laughs> you know it won't yeah. help you go down with it. But that was totally the attitude. So from a young age, I was like, I need money. I need my own money. I need more money. Even if it was just like buy my own candy bar from a candy machine and I'm also like control freak, right? So I don't have to ask anybody and I don't want to be told no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Totally. I think we, we, we took vacations in like uh, a really cool part of New Zealand where there were a lot of you know really expensive homes and holiday homes. And uh, I think that was part of it for me too. I was like, who's buying these houses like <laughs> houses we were joking before the episode of like in the 90s you know if you knew a millionaire that was yeah like huge my dad has a friend that's a millionaire
1: he's so a rich. super big deal i know now yeah. and i look, look at it and i'm like that's really not hard to do Damn, that's, that's really not hard
0: to do in the west village great um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's, it's interesting like i i read rich dad poor dad when i was like 14. It was like oh, wow. the most books I ever read. And so I, I think it was that. I think it was being really curious about who are these people that are affording this stuff and how are they doing it.
1: Right. And like where does that money come from? It's so funny that you say rich dad, poor dad, because that book came into my experience a few months ago and like within a matter of oh. like a week, three different people recommended it and then I'm sitting in someone's car and I'm getting a ride somewhere. And Right there next to me, I see a book. I pick it up. I'm like, "All right, that's it." I get the message. Read the book. I get Wait, it. <laughs> I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I'm saying, "Now you remind me, I have to go back and finish it." Uh, but it is very cool, and it is, it, it is, it's everything that's smart about understanding how money works, which is not how most people think it works. Most people think, right, you trade hours for dollars, and that's how you get money. And the more your hours are worth, the more dollars you have. And there's still a limit, guys. <laughs> that still hits a ceiling. Rich people don't trade hours for dollars.
0: Totally. Yeah. I, I you gave, went uh, and, you,
1: and you started trading hours for dollars. Wait, but I skipped already. Food service.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. So the food, it's kind of coming into the middle a little bit, but I just wanted to tell you like I was sort of entrepreneurial from the start, or at least. Totally. I,
1: I did come in, in the middle.
0: So you you, fine.
1: you, can that, give it, me the thing in order. No, no, that's
0: to. perfect. So, I mean, you know, I wanted to be a pilot since I was eight years old as well. So, uh, in a way there was a conflict, you know, like having this really entrepreneurial flair, but desperately loving airplanes. I think I wanted to be an airplane first and then realized, okay, you can't be <laughs> an airplane, so that's the next best thing. And, I like, grew my six
1: year old, probably he wants to be a spaceship. I totally see that. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And so he's the next Elon Musk. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was kind of torn between that. So I ended up going down the flying route and put the the entrepreneur stuff kind of on the side uh, but there was a point when I was like 23 my brother me and my brother are like best friends and he's very entrepreneurial as well he came to me and he goes I've got it I've got the idea for us we're gonna you know fish and chips is pretty big in any British colony and so okay. uh, fish and chips in New Zealand is just very poorly done it's a really there's no brand it's cheap and nasty small shops all over the place uh, and so he goes we're going to take fish and chips we're going to make it the mcdonald's of you know fish and chips we're going to brand it we're going to franchise it we're going to go all in and so that's what we did we poured our life into that for a couple of years mm-hmm. i was still flying on the side um you have kids he had three boys under five years old oh wow um, so, yeah we were like it was tough it was a tough time but very fun as well
1: and and what happened with that business did it work
0: <laughs> uh Yes and no. So it's, uh, you know, working is an interesting term. It's, uh, it was incredible. Like we built this amazing brand, which, you know, you can appreciate that was half the fun was just building the brand. So we had this amazing brand that was all New Zealand based and was like really celebrating New Zealand. And we had lots of social media presence, presence and, uh, you know, learning how to recruit people. It was a lot of fun. And the shop at its height, you know, it had a lineup of people out the door down the street on a Saturday. Wow. Uh, which was like, amazing and it's a really part of town and people would travel from around town to come there it was really cool and we got to the point where uh it was not profitable on a single shop basis which is why we were into the franchise model yeah and then looking at what we would have to do we'd have to get two three four five shops to get the whole um economies of scale working and i got mono and oh. my brother was just like missing his kids so much and so we just looked at each other and we like, do we have it in us for this big push, the next big push? And we were like, no, I don't think so. Let's, <laughs> let's say we learned a bunch, you know, we didn't make any money from it. Um, but you know, it was successful in so many different ways. Let's just say, you know, it was a success and let's move on.
1: I love that. I love that. And I think, you know, I was speaking a couple of weeks ago with another one of our guests. I call it EBS. I think it's something that a lot of entrepreneurs suffer from. It's called entrepreneurial boredom syndrome. <laughs> the fun part is the building. Once it starts working, it's not so fun anymore. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) It's like that I need to do the next thing. Um, But the building is really the fun part. So I totally hear that. And restaurants are the absolute hardest thing to do. Oh,
0: man. Yeah. I think the the moment my brother always tells the story, he goes, the moment we knew that it wasn't going to work is there was an expert in in the food industry we managed to get in touch with. And he said, uh, there's a third, third, third model. Really simply, you should have a third of your cost be your food acquisition a third should be all your other costs and then a third should be profit and so you know if you're buying a piece of fish it should cost you a dollar your fixed cost should be a dollar and then you should make a dollar profit so you should sell it for three dollars and we were selling it for two dollars twenty and we were the most expensive in the city Ooh. so we were like ah and
1: it still, and it still cost you a dollar and then it cost you another dollar in your other cost and you were making 20 cents correct
0: so that's when we realized Okay, that was a real punch in the stomach for us, Um, but yeah, that that was kind of the moment. I can't remember why I was telling you that story, but that was sort of the moment we realized. uh,
1: No, I think that's very valuable. Just that little piece of information, Yanka, for all of you listening. If you want to open a restaurant, there you go. Oh (laughs) yeah, down for
0: you. Say yeah, and if you look at any restaurant business uh, that has been around for a long time, i.e., Italian restaurants, they're everywhere and they are still everywhere. Chinese restaurants. Chinese restaurants, Thai food, Indian food, because they they sell carbs primarily, and so carbs, you know, carbohydrates, is, is your cheapest cost. It's flour and water, right? Like if you're selling pasta, you're selling a f- right 10- pizza stores. Uh, yeah, and you're selling it for five, 10, 15 bucks. Whereas anything to do with protein, i.e., fish, <laughs> you know, hot dogs, burgers, there's a lot of a lot it's of protein. much
1: more expensive. Yeah. That but is, that I really never good. thought of it like that. That is and so smart. You know,
0: like, A normal restaurant, right? Where do you make your money? The entree and the dessert, because it's, you know, because that's where
1: all these costs are, and all the additions and the sides and the sodas and like all that stuff. Yeah. You don't have a lot of that, then yeah. If the main thing you're selling is fish,
0: (laughs) you know, so it's yeah. That's that's what I I, if I was going to go into the restaurant business, I wouldn't say don't do it. I'd go look at the numbers. If you want to create a the the most the best pastrami sandwich in the city. Look at what it's going to cost. Look at what your fixed costs are roughly, and then this is what your profit has to be to make it worthwhile. If you if you can't sell a prosciutto sandwich for nineteen ninety five, you know,
1: then, do it. then it's not going to work. There are
0: people that can, you know, like with the right brand. Like totally, you, there are lots work. of people that do. Yeah,
1: for sure. See, most of the restaurants I've seen that are successful, they have a whole catering back end. I've never seen a really successful eatery that doesn't having have a catering back end. Not the ones that last.
0: Totally, yeah, and you get that economies of scale and. Supply and yeah,
1: yeah. Also, if you were to turn that into a franchise model, each unit would have had to be profitable, or those guys wouldn't be able to pay you, and the whole thing would collapse.
0: That's right. And we were trying to look at it as an owner-operator model, and we we're looking mm. if 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 an owner bought it and worked in there Monday to Friday, you know, could we get them making like 60 70 thousand a year? So could we get them out of their job so they had their own business and could kind of control it? So that's what we were aiming for, and we were like close, but mm. not close enough.
1: I hear that. I love that. I love that. Just. Everything about that, guys. Like, I hope when you're listening, you realize this. Those calculations, right? Just sitting there, like, I've sat with people who wanted to buy a franchise, and they never even look at the numbers. I'm like, okay, I so I'm going to be borrowing about $300,000, and I'm going to open this thing. And then I'm like, can we run your numbers? I'm like, it's going to take you seven years to break even on this. Yeah. Would you like to do this for free for seven years? Would you like to build something else? Yeah. Run the numbers. I totally hear that. Okay. So, your pilot. It's,
0: like stuff like it's, it's the same with network marketing. And I... Yeah. I'm neutral on all of it. Like franchise everything, do whatever you want, but do that. Like, think about it, just be really realistic because there's huge benefits and there's huge costs to, to doing those models.
1: All of it. Yeah. The network marketing, we have to buy all the supplies and then your, your main benefit doesn't come in selling anything comes in selling other people, which is what I don't like about network marketing. (laughs) Right. All, all of the ways, every time I meet someone in it, I'm just like, I don't mind it when you're selling stuff and the stuff has profit in it, right? So like Mary Kay, Tupperware, like these are network marketing schemes, if you will, yeah. but they're companies that have been around for 50 plus years and that's Survived something different. Time. Exactly. Where the money mm. comes from actual items, cool. Where the money comes from getting other people to sell items, who get other people to sell items, who get other people to sell items, beware. Yeah. <laughs> just be aware of it. That's the danger. Totally. Okay. So your pilot you're flying planes. Do you tell me about flying planes? I know it's not business related, but I'm fascinated by by airplanes also.
0: Yeah. Uh does it really yeah,
1: fly itself? Do you really have to like do nothing these days?
0: Uh, well it's it's nuanced, right? Oh. So that that's what somebody that doesn't know about flying would say, that it just flies itself. But who who tells the plane how to fly itself? <laughs> that's what I always I say. don't
1: know. Does it come pre-programmed? Maybe it's like a <laughs> Tesla. You like put in the coordinates, you're like, take me there and I'll make sure to hit the brake if it looks like someone's gonna hit me.
0: Yeah, well, I guess the, the acid test is could you put somebody that's never flown before in a plane and would well, they know what to do? But pretty unlikely. So, there's still a ton of stuff around that. So, you, you input into the, the plane. So, instead of flying it with your hands, you're telling the computer what you want to do, right? So, it's not that the plane is just, you know… Do you ever watered. get to,
1: like, take a <laughs> wheel and, like, drive the plane? Like
0: Anytime you want. Anytime you okay. want. To because you do it four or five times a day, you're kind of like, eh. Alright, the novelty. But if you come back from vacation, you've had three weeks off, you're like, right, let me at it. I want to do some old school flying. And so that option is available anytime to anyone.
1: Okay, yeah. cool. So that, but that's like just a regular job, but that's an insane schedule, isn't it? Like you're, you're flying different time zones, days, nights...
0: Look, I mean, it depends. Every airline's different. The, the I, I finished up working for the biggest airline in Japan. I was based in Tokyo. And uh, we did a lot of cargo flying, cargo airplanes, sort of a split between cargo and passengers. So cargo generally, you know, like the mail, it moves at night. And so we would start work at 8 p.m. and finish at 5 a.m. We'd go out into Asia and then come back to Japan. Um, and it was brutal. Like it was brutal, you know, doing that three nights a week. That was probably the one of the, there's a ton of reasons why I got out of flying, but that was probably one of the biggest ones as I just saw the impact it was having on my health and just not being able to catch up on sleep, not being able to recover is really tough. That's so
1: interesting because as a passenger, I never think about that, but probably at probably least as much if not. No, but at least as much if not more. I'm thinking more about the types of flying, not the fact that my pilots are like super sleep deprived. That right. I definitely don't want to think about. Think about but that, even yeah. the fact that the industry how, how? what percentage of the industry is passenger versus um, cargo? I would guess cargo is yeah, more car- if I think about it.
0: Look, I, I, I don't know. Uh, cargo is huge and it generally they're, they're completely different markets too, like a passenger airline versus say a, a FedEx or a, a UPS. They're completely different animals. But if you look at a company like FedEx, like they are everywhere. You know, if you fly into China, this FedEx base is all over China, all through Europe. Like these are ginormous companies.
1: Right. I never thought about that. That's so interesting. So one yeah. day you wake up and you're just like, this is killing my health. I want to be a business coach. Huh? Like, what was yeah. the transition?
0: It's a cliche, Estee, You know, the airline pilot that wants to be a life coach. You know,
1: <laughs> it's really yeah, a not a time. cliche. <laughs> it's really not a cliche. You don't you don't hear that so often.
0: No, exactly. Well, so uh, the, the the quick version is, you know, I'm kind of got this entrepreneurial bug that's like beavering away at me. I'm flying airplanes. I love it. But uh, the reality is I'm flying airplanes out of the decision of an eight-year-old boy. So by the time I'm in my 30s, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. I've now seen the world. I've made a ton of friends. I've flown all the airplanes I wanted to fly. Uh, and I get to a point where I'm like, okay, there's this kind of tipping point where now the entrepreneurial bug or, you know, the, the desire to make more money, you know, I want to be rich. And when you're flying airplanes, you can see exactly how much you're going to make for the rest of your career, just like. It's a unionized profession, right? So the, the pay scales are all laid out. So I was like, oh, okay. So if I retire at that age, it's the exact amount of money. I don't like that. I want to be rich. I wanted to be rich. And so I was a little boy. I want to be filthy rich. I want to buy big houses and, you know, have lots of fun. So that, that, that's kind of stuff was starting to overtake, you know, overtake the, the joy of flying. And so I think, honestly, from the time I went, I think I want to get out of flying and go to business full time. I think it was about six years before I pulled the trigger.
1: Oh wow. Yeah. That's a Which lot is, of years.
0: Is, I think a lot of people look at it and go, "Oh man, you just made the decision and then whipped up a business and then left." And so I always like to say that just to to let people know if you're thinking about it, you know, don't don't <laughs> don't take too long, but for me it was like a 6-year process to get my head completely around it.
1: Totally. I I was running business on the side. I left my job back in 2011 because politics and then finally started doing my own thing full-time. I'd always had side hustles and I'd been doing even what I do now on the side for like two years before I mm. left my job, never thinking to do it full-time. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, people don't realize, people think, and, and I think it's so cool that you and I are discussing this because we're obviously born entrepreneurs starting from when we're little kids. Even born entrepreneurs don't necessarily go that route the whole time. Mm. And, and like at any point in your life, like, Wow, the world is so flexible today. At any point, you can make that decision. You cannot, you can take it slow. You can take it fast. Like there's so many options open to you.
0: Yeah, Derek Siver says, when you create a business, it's your opportunity to create your own personal utopia. And I love that. And I keep reminding people that because we come out of careers, we come out of college, we come out of school and we're like, what's the, how do you do it? Like, what's the framework? And it's like, hey, the framework is whatever the, the heck you want it to be. Exactly. create your own utopia. You never, I don't work Mondays, right? That was, I'm like, I don't want to work Mondays and I don't want to work before 11 a.m. So that's how I set up my business. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because it's my business. Like, why would I set it up to, (laughs) Derek has another phrase, he goes, a lot of people build businesses to impress an invisible panel of Harvard MBAs. And it's like, it's so true, right? We're trying to like create this business with a marketing strategy and we have this and I'm, you know.
1: And those are the ones that cost the most and earn the least.
0: Yeah. And there's a, that whole sort of, you know, trying to get bought out by VCs or whatever. There's that sort of disease that's out there at the moment. It's a
1: whole different culture. I say there's a very big difference between startups and starting up. I don't really do startups. I do. <laughs> oh, that's a good up. one. Yeah, I love that. What a good phrase. Trying to start something up. Like that's, and again, just like you're saying, you're building your own thing. You're shining your light and you're earning money while you do it. What could be better? A startup, that's a whole different entity. You're not even building for profit. You're building for potential. Mm. You're throwing a ton of money on it, hoping that it comes back. It's just that it's a completely different animal, right? And it's not usually where people really shine the brightest.
0: And you're spending somebody else's money.
1: Yeah. Which again, it's fun for a time, but it's just not the same thing as money in your pocket. And I I always talk about this a lot because people get very confused because the biggest stories are about the startups and the biggest companies and small business entrepreneurship. It really is different. Every dollar you spend is a dollar out of your pocket. Mm. And that's a big deal because we want all the dollars in your pocket. That's the point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of the things I'm most proud of is I uh, paid off my credit card in about 2009 and I haven't had any credit since then. I have like only debit cards and it's like a value of mine. It's my money. I make the money. If I don't create clients, it goes to zero, which it has um, at times. And so I, I like that. I mean, that's, that's what keeps me in the game. That's what, that's how I know I'm an entrepreneur.
1: I love that. Yeah. In my early days, I actually refused to accept credit cards. I was like, if you don't have money to pay, don't work with me. Um, and then I, I grew a little bit and I realized I can't actually do that uh, <laughs> as a company. Why not? Not because the value changed so much as because I understood that the way the way some of my clients were building businesses, it did make sense for them. Mm. So like I had made like a, a, a rule on my own value and then pushed it on other people, which wasn't fair right so for me i still won't do it like i'll never i won't i won't build on debt um but it i didn't feel that it was fair for me to force that on someone else who did have a good reason for doing it that way uh, but in my early days for years i was just like nope don't work with me and they're like are you crazy i'm like no i just if you can't pay me just don't do it come back later sorry
0: so funny because it creates it creates kind of a scarcity but you're also you're also giving them a challenge yeah saying go ahead and create the money to you know, if you're really into this, if you're really serious, that can be the greatest gift you give somebody.
1: And, and the way I look at it is like when people come to me with these plans, they're like, okay, I see. I understand that the first two years I don't earn any money. And I'm just like, why not? They're like, what do you mean? That's what everyone says. I'm like, that's not what I say. If I was doing this for two years and not earning money, why in the world would I do it? Other things to do where I could earn money? Why would I do that? Absolutely. No sense. No sense no in sense. it. But like, there's so many fallacies out there on what it means to do. And the truth is everyone has their path right? Some people that is their path and it works for them and that's what they want to build. Cool. I just always say you can do it better. (laughs) I've never seen a business that has to be built that way.
0: For me, like I think I've taken a long time to build my business. I'm still building my business and it's, I was at a, a networking event, quote unquote, a couple of nights ago. And I was like, I was talking to people and it was great. You know, they were amazing people. Uh, and I was like, wow, I've never networked before. You know, as a pilot, you don't network. <laughs> like, there's no need to network to find a bunch of flight attendants or network to find, you know, <laughs> that's going to refuel your plane networking to find an air traffic controller. Um, that's really funny. You turn up and there's an airplane there and you fly it. Um, so it's like, man, this, this is a new skill for me. And sales, I've never sold anything before. So it's taken me five years just to become comfortable with, asking somebody for money, even though I believe in myself, I believe in my offering, you know, these are, these are new skills. So, right. uh,
1: it, well, the best part of sales is of... when you don't ask for money. You just let them know how much it is. If they want it.
0: Oh, yes. They're dropping the wisdom. People writing it down.
1: I don't, I don't ever ask for money. If you want something, I can let you know how much it costs, but I don't ask for your money. Boom. <laughs> All right. After that mic drop. Okay. So <laughs> you decided you're building this coaching thing. And, and I, I love this topic because I know that a lot of people in the audience want to do this. And I know it's one of the biggest fields um, right now. Coaching and consulting is huge because it's, I look at it almost like Facebook ads, right? It's deceptively simple, but it's really just deceptive, right? Because mm. anyone can do it and everyone's doing it, but there's really a science behind being successful at it. So what did you do when you were finally, after those six years, like how did you get into it?
0: Uh, so you know, I'm obsessed with personal development and just human performance in general, and I've I've kind of used that in my own career. That's how I got to fly big jets, you know, around the world. As only a small amount of pilots ever make it to that point. So I used personal development and setting goals and visioning and you know, to, to get there myself. Law
1: of attraction type stuff.
0: All of that stuff, Aww. right? The vision boards, I found a vision board from when I was 10 years old and it had, uh, had a picture of an airplane, a picture of a BMW and a picture of Cindy Crawford playing golf. And like 10 year old me was just like, wow, that's the woman for me. She plays golf. Anyway, kind of this thing, <laughs> the, the, the weirdo child that I was. But I, I was vision boarding at 10, you know? So That's awesome. I, I, all that stuff. So I was really obsessed with personal development. Uh, I, I had a really bad breakup in 2014 and I hired a coach to, it was just a rock bottom moment. I'd sort of felt like I had a pretty good handle on life until then. And then it all kind of collapsed around me without me, without really knowing what happened. And so very serendipitously, a coach came into my life. I didn't know what coaching was. And he just supported me to kind of rebuild, but not only the relationship, like, you know, we have a, a habit of Trojan horsing people as as coaches, we come in under the guise of one thing and we're like, right, let's recreate your entire life. Like, Hang <laughs> on, I just want you to help me with my relationship. Now I'm leaving my flying career. So anyway, he helped me really build up and figure out what I wanted. And I really defined, I wanted three things. I wanted to be able to travel the world. So I needed a business that I could do nomadically like the nomadic life, the minimalist life was super sexy to me before it was sexy, you know, before there was a documentary on Netflix about it. Uh, the second thing is I told you already, I wanted to make a ton of money. And the third thing is I wanted to help people. I wanted to use all of the personal development and you know, I was the kind of person that people always came to, to, to talk to and get advice from. So I wanted to leverage all of those things. And my coach was like, you know, that's coaching.
1: <laughs> it's like, oh. so funny that you say it like that. Cause like my first module of my course goes through goal setting and we go in those three, I tell people we set goals on three prongs. It's lifestyle, which is what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? Mm. It's financial, which is what is your financial goal? But we pin it to a number and it's mm-hmm. a service goal. What do you want to actually do? That's, I wonder if that really came from my coaching training. I'm a certified coach for over 10 years. I don't talk about it a lot um, mm. because coaching gets a bad rap, which we can go into. Mm-hmm. Um, but those who know, know. And that's, that's part of my Trojan horse. Like I come into a business as a consultant and then I start like changing people's lives and they're like, "Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> like I wasn't expecting this, but I like it. Let's do it more. Uh, yeah.
0: Tell me about your marriage. <laughs>
1: no, so I don't go personal. I go business, oh. but, it's, but it's, it's all, it's business coaching, which is different. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Mm. people have asked me like, so do you do marriage coaching? I'm like, eh, I'll do your work life balance. <laughs> like that, like I'll, Interesting. I'll, I'll make sure I give you the space to build your marriage, but I'm not, I'm not gonna go there. Right. And when we'll talk about relationships and how you deal with your staff and that will help apply to your marriage. But like I try to keep those boundaries because otherwise it's a rabbit hole you never get out of.
0: This is really cool. So you and I are on opposite sides of the equation. So I call myself a life coach for entrepreneurs, but not a business coach. And I
1: am a coaching consultant and I focus on the business, but the business is never bigger than the person. So if I don't build you, I can't fix your business or change it. Yeah, because it is the way it is because you are the way you are. So I can give you all the tactics and all the strategies, but I also have to work with you so that you can really implement them and own them or it won't help. It's not just telling you what to do. Yeah. And so it is that blend that makes it work. So that is interesting. Mm -hmm. So, so we talk about life coaching for entrepreneurs. I find this fascinating because I've had business coaches all my years and never had a life coach.
0: Yeah. So uh, let's talk about common misconceptions. Uh, life coach who are you why is your life so special that you can tell me how to live mine that would be the most common I think initial gut reaction people have to life coaching and so uh, <laughs> that's fine first of all the way I look at coaching so there is no such thing as coaching it's there's no one certification there's no it, it, it's just it's part of what
1: latest. makes the field so amorphous and why it gets such a bad rap because you yeah. don't need anything to hang a shingle and call yourself a coach or a counselor for that matter or a consultant for that matter. Like you just you hang your shingle digitally or, or physically and yeah. then you're like, hey, I do this. And you know, then those of us who actually do it are like, oh, yeah, I met a coach. They wasted my money. I'm like, that probably wasn't a real coach. That's
0: <laughs> right. It is tough, but it also provides a massive opportunity. Like for, you, for those of us that have been around for a while, you know, A lot of coaches just drop away, right? If you're not.
1: Yeah, because they don't ever make it out the door because they're not good. It's it's a field that if you are not successful, you could have the best quote unquote marketing in the world and you could get a bunch of people sold on day one or two, but you will never build a stable business because Mm. after a small while in it, if you're not getting recommendations and referrals, all your marketing stops working because people say, oh, you've been doing this two years. Do you have any referrals or recommendations? And if you don't, you've got nothing.
0: Yeah. And that's why I say to people, like if you're a good coach, you'll stay in business. And if you're a bad coach, you, you, you can't, you can't stay in business. Like for the exact reason you just said, like if it's not working, it becomes pretty obvious that you're not generating any results. So uh, the distinction I make, and again, it's just my version of coaching. So, my life has really nothing to do with my clients. It's not about me knowing the answers. It's not about me being better. I'm an expert in human performance. And so what I'm really interested in is you and your life and what you're willing to create. And what I do is help you create the space, you know, get out of your own life, take the high-level view, and actually really get clear on what you really want and what's really exciting to you and what you, know, you really want your life's mission to be about. Uh, and then if you want to commit to that, if that's what you're up for, I'll help you commit to that, and then I'll help you work towards it. So, I really have nothing to do with the equation. I'm the conduit that helps you get exactly what you want if that's what you're up for.
1: Totally, and that's the skill set. actually, I've had people come to me over the years. like if you're so good at building businesses, like why don't you make your own? I'm like, sorry, what does it look like I did? <laughs> I do, <yeah. laughs> like you're good at selling fruits and vegetables. I'm good at helping you earn more money and make it easier while you do that. <laughs> like that's, so but again, I like you, you have
0: I'm nothing at. to do with it. Like it, your, your business has nothing to do with their business.
1: No, it's the skill it's set. Skill totally, it's the skill set. Although I will say, you know, like there is a certain example. Like if I couldn't be profitable, I think I'd be a terrible business coach. Like I do think there are certain baselines. Um, like I do, like nutritionists who are like severely overweight Um, and unhealthy and it's not from a medical condition like that's just awkward you Mm. know like a business coach who's filing for bankruptcy it's just awkward like if if you if you can't master this at any level Mm. right Mm. um i think it it is uncomfortable Mm. um and it's not to say that it it has to be a direct reflection. Like I feel like I'm always coaching people who are steps below equivalent and steps above from where I am because mm-hmm. it's not and they don't have to be in my industry because the business principles apply across the board. And, and like from when I started, when I was just starting, I was coaching businesses that have been around for years already. You know, so they were totally ahead of me, but I still was able to improve them. Mm-hmm. So but I don't think what well, the day I started I could have coached like an eight figure business. I don't think so. I, to me like I it was something I had to build up to. And um, but I think everyone so in their sometimes, lane.
0: Sometimes it's the the best uh, you know, the it's a huge advantage to have you not knowing anything about their industry. Mm-hmm. Because you're not coming in there with a bunch of, oh, this is how it should be. Oh, we've always done it this way. Oh, in this industry you need to understand. You just come in there with a skill set with a bunch of fresh eyes and go, Hey, let's try it this way.
1: Totally. And in fact, I work with all different industries and some of the best solutions that we've brought to clients have been taking things across industry. In fact, we had someone on the show a couple of weeks ago Love who spoke specifically about that. You know, that the solutions in one industry, his advice to people actually was, um, Carl from, from like three weeks ago, I think, um, his advice to people was, don't go only to your own industry conferences, right? Because you just hear about the same problems. But mm. different industry conferences, the problems you have, they've already solved. And you might find your answer there. And, and a lot of times there isn't anything new necessarily. It's just a, a recycling and a repurposing. He was talking about drive-through banking. You know, how like, you know, the guy who thought of that was, you know, they were having a problem with how can they minimize teller costs and maximize availability hours. And, you know, that guy was like picking up dinner for his wife and he's like, hmm, I wonder if we could do this for banking. So perfect. And, and so often the solutions, they're right there. They're right there in front of you. And um, so if you hadn't had experience with networking, with selling quote unquote, getting clients and, and I know so many people are in your shoes where they, they've been employed or they want to leave their employment or maybe they've already left. And they're like, okay, now what, <laughs> like, now where do I get that first client? How do I, especially in something like life coaching, like for me, business coaching is a little easier. Like I know my people are going to earn more money or have less headache or both, usually yeah. both. So like. People say, how do people pay you? I'm like, well, they earn more and more money. And then they pay me parts of it to help them earn more and more money. Like that's that's yeah. pretty much how it works. But in life coaching, it's, it's not quite therapy, but almost because therapy, people are really suffering. And that's why I always say like, I like coaching because I get lost in people's problems. I don't want to go there. Coaching's like, I look at it as therapy, like you're at a baseline therapy, digs deep and says, how do we make this better and bring you up from here? Coaching, I'm like, I take you from this baseline. I acknowledge where you come from, but I don't go there. I just take you out from where you are. I'm always looking at where you're going, not where you're coming from related to where you're coming from, but not on it. Um, And it's a hard sell. I feel like it's a hard sell, life coaching, isn't it? Well, if
0: you want it to be, it will be, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And if you don't want it to be, does it become easier?
0: It's connecting with people. It's connecting with people that you find interesting, uh, understanding them, being super curious. And then you just said you don't sell to people, right? I don't sell to people what's the phrase you use
1: um i just let them know if they want it what it costs that's all that's,
0: that's it right and so again this is uh, you said it beautifully before you said this is, yeah i'm terrible uh,
1: at saying the same thing twice it's horrible this it's is like, <laughs> like micro short this memory is loss
0: the, the whole process is simple but not easy uh see so we're the only ones that get in the way right so you know when you go to a restaurant and you say hey you know i'd like to order the um the clam linguine, the, <laughs> the, um, the waiter doesn't come and go, oh, um, yeah, I just, I don't know if I'm confident enough to get that for you. Is that, but uh, I just, uh, if I had a few more success stories behind me, then I would take your order, but I just don't, you know, and I'm just not feeling that good about myself right now. And, you know, I don't actually eat the clam limqueenie, so I don't know if I could take your order. (laughs) It never happens in other industries, but as soon as it gets into coaching, all this energy comes into it and all these stories and like imposter syndrome and how could I and why could I and I should, you know, so
1: I love, I love that, I love that example. <laughs> we're actually working on an undercover program now internally. We're calling it C Boys, C B I O S, Conquering mm-hmm. Business Owner Imposter Syndrome.
0: Yeah, and it, that's it's, it's
1: both, it's both internal, like it's it's personal and professional development. It's all the strategies and tactics to become a boss, and mm-hmm. um, technically and emotionally, where you have to own that success and and understand how you got there and what it takes to to stay there. And I think mm-hmm. so many people don't, and even when they get results one time. You know, I'm sure you've seen this with your clients also. They've gotten results sometimes many times. They're still like, but what if it doesn't work this time? I'm like, well, what if it does? <laughs> what if it does work this time? What if the probability of it working this time is way higher than the probability of it not working?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, our brains are hardwired to look at, you know, what we're, what we're going to lose. So that's beautiful. I call it what if positive, what you just said. Ooh,
1: I like yeah. that.
0: Do the what if positive. What if you uh, try this business and it? what if you meet the woman of your dreams? you know, in okay. the pursuit of this business, would that make it worth it? What if you leave your job and then start growing this business and it takes you into a whole different industry that you never thought. And there was a 10 times as much profit available than you ever imagined when you first started dreaming of leaving your job. You know, play that game. That's way more exciting.
1: Totally. Like, instead of like, what if it doesn't work? What if it's amazing? Yeah. Totally.
0: I have 100%. a thing on my website. Can I do a shameless plug? Is that okay? All right. Um. <laughs> on my website, like the that you can get a free download from the homepage. That's the 10 reasons why you won't leave your job to start a business and the solutions for each. And it just goes through all of the 10 most common reasons. Oh, what if I run out of money? Oh, what if I fail? Oh, what if I have to come back to my job with my tail between my legs? And you know, I think there there is an answer for all of those things, but we never question it. We just stay in the fear around it.
1: Totally. Until until something pushes us out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's a coach or a life experience.
0: Yeah, um, for well, sure. For moment. That's not like a shameless
1: it. plug. At the end, I would have asked you to tell us where we could get your stuff anyways. That's fine. No, thank
0: good you very stuff.
1: much. It's all good. Um, so do you typically work with people who are trying to leave their job? Like, is that that specific point that you like to focus on, like that transition from employee to entrepreneur?
0: Uh, It it has been. I have a 12-week program that I take people through that where, you know, my mission is really to create a thousand impactful entrepreneurs in the world. I think business is such a beautiful way to change the world because it impacts so many people. It impacts the clients you want to serve, the product you want to put out there. It's the, uh, the people that you hire and the culture that you have in your company. It's how you contribute to society, you know, the way you give back. It's just such a beautiful thing. So, I think the way to change the world quickly is bring more people into entrepreneurship and get it attached to a bigger mission, a bigger goal that uh, is looking to change the world in some way. So that's my big mission, is change the world through entrepreneurship. Bring as many people into entrepreneurship as possible and then get them focused on making a difference. And so when I look at that, it's like, okay, there are a lot of professionals that are earning six figures plus, Uh, like I was, it's too big a leap. It's the golden handcuffs, they call it. Yeah. but, I always say,
1: turn your right, focus. If you want to stay, figure out how to turn it into a golden goblet, and if you can, <laughs> move on.
0: That's awesome. You're just dropping the can. wisdom today. You got all these quotes. <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> this is just my line to my clients. I had a client. He's got, oh man, does he have golden handcuffs? But these are these are gold. Like these are platinum. These are like, wow. And he's just like, SD, I can't. I said, then you're either going to turn it into a golden goblet where you can drink from it and enjoy it, or you're going to get out because it's still not worth it then. Mm-hmm. And not always does it have to be handcuffs. Um, and I, I, am, I am, again, obviously a believer in entrepreneurship. Um, and sometimes you can win it all and, and sometimes you can't. But yeah, golden handcuffs. Yeah,
0: like, I mean, I have a ton of sympathy for it because I was there for a long time. Like, you know, my, my last contract in flying was two weeks on, two weeks off.
1: Nice.
0: Money, flying around the world. Like, it was so hard to give up, really. But what I connected into, what worked for me was really being honest of going, what does my heart want? you know, if you find yourself justifying your job, you're out of your heart. So if the heart goes, we should leave our job and travel the world and the mind goes, but you know, what about our retirement fund? And, you know, we get health insurance in this job and it's probably dangerous to go to Africa this time of year. So anytime you find <laughs> yourself like listening to all of the reasons. You why know well, you
1: shouldn't do the thing you want yeah, to do. You're
0: justifying, you're out of your heart. So try and notice that and come back into the heart. What is the heart screaming? It's like, it's usually I want to make a difference. It's usually I want to help people. It's usually I don't want to waste my life. Like these are the things that are coming from the heart. So listen to that part of you.
1: Totally. And there's so yeah, many different pitch. ways to do it. So can you give us like a sneak peek a little bit at your, at your 12 step or 12 week program? Like what, what are the, pro- yeah. what, what's the pro, like, you know, people pay you for this, but you're going to tell us for free. Um, like, What's the process you put people through to get them from that place of, of golden handcuffs to um, golden desk of their own or golden, <laughs> or, or golden laptop or whatever type of business yeah. they're trying to oh, run?
0: Golden airplane ticket around the world. Exactly. Um, it's like Willy Wonka, the golden, ticket. golden um,
1: ticket. I like that. Golden Hand goes to Golden Ticket. That's
0: cool. Yeah, so, so the promise is, is really uh, to help you, you know, leave your six-figure business uh six-figure job and start an impactful business that replaces your six-figure income. So that's that's the promise is 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 to get you to that point. So in 12 weeks, you know, it's, it's, we can't probably achieve that in 12 weeks, but we can certainly set the groundwork for it. So it's all about confronting those fears understanding you know what resigning means confronting the fear of resignation figuring out the financials what you need to survive you know financially in, in your first couple of years of business so i do that right up front i go right let's look at all the fears and all the things that are coming up when you think about this and let's just address that straight away so we do a lot of planning we do a lot of foundational stuff we look at mindset what's the entrepreneurial mindset that you have to start to cultivate um And it's only once we're there, that's when we move into creating the business. And we start with finding that mission. What's the mission that lights you up? What's the mission that brings you to tears? What do you want to commit your life to? And I usually find that if I do that work really well, and I've done it thousands of times, the business model kind of naturally falls out of it. It sort of narrows down where we're going to be looking for a business. Then we focus on the business. Some of the things I talked about with myself, learning how to sell, learning how to market, you know, organically to start with usually, uh, and then get the first few dollars in the door, prove the concept, and then figure out right what's the what's the plan to take us to 12, 12 figures. What's the plan to take us to six figures? You know, in the next 12 months.
1: I like that a lot. That's great. Your, your program, and my program, are, are a little similar. And cool. We
0: should combine forces.
1: We should combine forces. So my marketing magic program also it kicks off with that goal, like I said, the three prong goals. And then mm-hmm. the next thing we do is what I call the core branding concept, which is. It, it's it's what you're saying, and it's it's funny because I come at it more from a marketing lens, but it's mm. the same thing. Like people come to the program, they're like, I did not realize that this was personal development. I'm like, it's not, but it is because the Churchable. business is built on you. Yeah, a little bit, I guess so. <laughs> I never looked at it like that, but it kind <laughs> of it. the other problem, they're like, We didn't realize this was gonna be like such like a, a transfer. Like, we like it, we just didn't expect it. And I think, you know, someone was saying last week on the show, maybe two weeks ago now, um, that so many marketing programs you get way less than you thought you were going to get, <laughs> you know? Mm. So I feel like people come into mine and they are just like surprised. Like people have actually said to me, like, I didn't realize that I was I actually learn stuff or, or, or develop things. Like, what did you think? You're just going to pay me money for fun? Because I mean, that's not fun for anybody, really. I don't want your money if it's not going to change you. And why would that be fun for you? Like who wins? <laughs> who but wins?
0: Aren't so many people burnt from buying online courses that they never finish? Do you
1: think? Um, I think some people maybe are. But a lot of the people that take my program, it's either because they've taken different programs that didn't work and they understand, either they've been following me and they know my stuff, they know my material, they know that this is completely different or they've never done it. And then I'm really lucky because they actually come in committed. Like mm. a lot of people taking my course is the first course they've ever taken. So we have to explain to them, what is a course? <laughs> like, what is an online course? Like, what does this thing look like? Like, oh, I said, I thought I was going to get to like really speak to you personally every week. I'm like... I, I really, you're so sweet and I really want to help you and change your life, but you realize there's 50 people in this program and I have like 30 private clients and I do eat and sleep and see my children every day. Like you do realize it's not <laughs> physically possible yeah. for me to do like, that's what we call it a group coaching program. Um, the, we have private clients also, but, um, it's, <sighs> It's a problem. I think a lot of people don't finish. I've tried to put things in place in my program that encourage people to get through the whole thing. So not just the email reminders, but different markers, different rewards, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. If they do finish it in time, I sneak in. I don't want to put it on the show because some people who listen are going to know this and then the, the things won't work. But there's, there's different hidden bonuses nice. throughout the program that, because I was a teacher also for a while. I taught high school and I taught high school. Oh, that's a huge
0: school. advantage.
1: So yeah, so I have that advantage of of being able to really give over the information, but also kind of like see. And I have children who I I, you know have to get to bed and get to eat and get to. I have four boys. I have I have a girl and four boys, and and we have to get them washed, you know. And there's like there's a whole science to making sure that that happens. Um, And I don't. Have to get them washed. Yes, no, that that's important. You know, when you have like little boys and they're very smelly and they're like, I don't need a bath, and you're like, no, you you really do. No, I don't, because the night is the planet. Yeah, it it gets to a point where like I'm like, listen, I love you, but I don't. I'm not gonna hug you right now until you're cleaner. (laughs) It's just not like you're sticky. You're like actually sticky, or like you're purple. Like, did you notice you're purple? Yeah, we did this thing today in camp. It's like yeah, so you're actually purple, and your natural skin color is not purple. That's not a color that we you know humans come out in. so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty well versed the like rewards and the whole system that you build in. And I think anyone who's out there building any kind of an online program, it's only right if you do this for people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only right if you set up a system that, that gives them the best chance of success, of completion. Understanding human psychology is a big deal. So like one of the books I love is When, by Dan Pink. He's another like super fan girl of him as well. Um, cool. He's like my new Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> he's not quite the same, but like a little bit. So his book went on the science of perfect timing. So, and again, just having done this work with clients over so many years, I know where people start to drop out. I know where they start to get lost. I know that at these points, I need to do something to get them back in. You know, to make sure they get the most out of it. I know that I where to to put the most important parts of the information so that if people do miss certain pieces because that's just the nature of, of how people deal with things. Um then I know I'll have a certain percentage of people that go through everything and a certain percentage that will come in and out and a certain percentage that will never open it and will come at the end and be like, hey, I see, you know, I signed up and I never started, now what? So we put things in place for those people also, mm. right? So just knowing what you're gonna get into I think makes a difference, and um, so when when Dan Ping talks about you know the the midpoint, how midpoints either energize or depress, right? So like you know the midlife crisis, which I feel like now people get it like you know twenty five, but you know, we're living longer, you the know twenty five like crisis. exactly, exactly. I, every every decade or so, every every time people hit a nine, right? Yeah. Nineteen, twenty nine, thirty nine. Right? Um, no, but midpoints either energize or depress. Right? You get like, oh, turning forty, you know, midlife crisis. I got to d- get that Ferrari and the new wife. You know, <laughs> do something, or you know, in the middle of a project, you know, everyone kind of will be like, okay, like kind of sags. So we're like, all right, I have, and I know the stuff at my halfway point, and just, the course is built to accommodate humans, if you will.
0: Yes, that's um, and
1: my my rates of graduates are um thank god pretty impressive <laughs> according so, to the industry statistics. About this? what
0: can i ask you some questions about yeah, this? yeah totally this, this is awesome so uh i'm really lazy so like i'm a lazy entrepreneur like whatever gary v says i sort of do the opposite i'm like no hassle, <laughs> spend a lot, don't work before 11 take mondays off um uh, gary's so-
1: 90 cent rule by the way i'm like so i do a 20 cent rule um, because no, his dollar 80 rule, that's what it is, right? Make nine, give your two cents to 90 people every day on social media. I'm like, so I like a 20 cent rule, give your two cents to 10 people. I find that that does enough to scale your business properly as well. Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure they're intelligent comments. Cause I don't got eighty every day <laughs> to do this. So I'm well, with you.
0: It forces me to like, think about how to, how do I use that energy, right? Like I want to change the world, I want to have a massive impact, and I like sleeping in. So how do I kind of do that? And, and the way you're talking, just from my experience with developing my courses, it's you've put a ton of work into this. You've put a ton of effort into this. So I think I put it's a lot good.
1: more thought than effort.
0: Yeah, so I guess this is my question is like how, how have you because it sounds like you have an amazing process. so how much work has it actually taken to get the course to this point?
1: embarrassingly not that much
0: (laughs) good you're a lazy entrepreneur too good
1: (laughs) i'm not lazy i just my my motto is more money less headache my motto is how do you get more for less how do you how do you do more with less effort what are the pieces that will make the maximum impact so for example something we could theoretically do is call every participant in middle of the course I don't do that. That would be right. extremely labor intensive. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, instead, see, I don't mind telling you, but I don't want all listeners to know because it's going to mess it up. Um, well, it's
0: just you and I talking.
1: It's just you and I talking and like thousands of people listening. Yeah. Um, but like, okay. So, for example, one of the things we do is there are certain bonuses that, let's say, will just we'll show up in the middle. They're group bonuses or there are certain types of rewards um, that show up in the middle if you do certain things that they're not a lot of effort on my part or on the part of the people in the program right because they're busy as well and but it's still a motivator right when i say to my kid you know at night i don't want um i don't believe that a lot of screen time is good for children um so my kids have very minimal screen time so i'll read them books every night right so whereas many kids are just kind of like you know, watching something until their eyes blear out and you take them off to bed because they're half brain dead already, um, <laughs> I'll do books. And I'll say to my kid, listen, if you're ready on time, we get to read this special book from this special box. Ooh! And the kids know, can we read too? Um, mm. What if we're ready extra early? Maybe. Maybe if you take a shower, we can negotiate. <laughs> no, part of being ready for bed is being washed. You do not <laughs> get to sit on mommy's bed and read books if you are not clean. The kids know that because no like don't touch my bed with your dirty sock. i have like i'm very easygoing on a lot of things but like yeah. dirty smelly boy socks on my bed and not one of them <laughs> it's just not they're good
0: for dad as well
1: um kind of <laughs>
0: very strict rules
1: <laughs> like i have just there's certain things dirty smelly socks is one of them it's just the gross and you can't get the smell out like it just it sticks to the bed it's just ugh. okay um
0: yeah, that's so it's, it's totally, those but.
1: kinds of things that it doesn't take a lot of work. Like how long it takes me to read them a book, right? And yeah. your alternative is standing on top of them. It's time to get washed. It's time to get pajamas. You ain't not get pajamas yet. What do I got to do to get you to listen to me? I'm going to stand here. I'm going to count to 10. Like I could do that or I could sit in my room, read a book or watch something myself while they go get dressed because they're excited to get the book in my room. That's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff I do. Yeah. So there's thought yeah. into it. There's Yeah, there's a lot of psychology in it. There isn't a lot of work in it, not for me and not for the people. But again, when they came into my program, and this is for my clients as well, right? Because my program was built after I did the work with hundreds of private clients for years, and we just maxed out, and it became not cost-effective for everyone. And so I built a group program so that it was just more accessible to people, Mm -hmm. um, and that I could still help more people. Because my mission is, I, it's a big number of people that I I really want to help a million people do what they love, earn buckets of money and have a life at the same time. Mm. And that's a lot of people and I'm not going to do it helping them one at a time. So I've been training other strategists on my team and we're launching group programs and still getting the same results for people on the other side of it. And that's my goal. So if my goal is to get you the results and your goal coming in is to get the results, we're on the same team, right? We're, we're working together and, and I, and I, every program I run I learn more of what I need and uh, and we keep putting more things in place. So like this last cohort we ran, we learned that we need to get people prepped better for what they need to put into this so that they're more prepared. So we're building new onboarding materials, explaining mm-hmm. to people. We learned um, in our first cohort, you know, for people to review the we did group coaching calls um, that not everyone could get through the whole thing. And they certainly sometimes just needed to see their question answered. And if they couldn't show up or just wanted to review their question. So we started putting timestamps on the questions. Now, there's the hard way and the easy way. So I'm not lazy. I just like to work smart. So the hard way would be to say, okay, I'm going to get my VA to go through the whole call and she'll timestamp all your questions. Or I figured out if I paste the question into the Zoom chat while I'm recording the call, everyone sees the question, it timestamps it. And all we got to do on the other end is paste that chat log along with the call. That's the kind of stuff that it doesn't take more than three seconds, but it made everything more effective for people.
0: So awesome.
1: Yeah, I like these kind of hacks. I'm also like, I'm, I'm a techie, right? So I was a CIO for right. six and a half years. right? Um, so I'm, I'm very into lot technology. In. I bring a lot of that in. Yeah, a lot of tools and I bring it to my people as well. And I'm constantly adding things to the program um, based on requests. Like, oh, you guys need this? Great, we'll throw that in. And people know that if they're involved in the, and they learn this very early on in the program, they'll get their answer will get it then. Um, if they skip out, they won't get their answer. They won't get the bonus materials. Not that are promised, and not that I'll make if they ask me. Like if people on the coaching call, if they're like, "Oh, Esty, we really need this." I'm like, "Yeah." And then I'll be like, "Consensus, guys, enough of you want this." They're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." I'm like, cool. Next day, it's in.
0: And it goes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And then they know that. And and these are the kinds of things that I believe that anyone who's doing any kind of group program, because the same way I would do it for a private client. If a client says to me, "Esty, I, I, you know, I'm stuck here," I'll be like, "Okay, let me build you the spreadsheet. Click, 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 click. Here you go. I'm like, oh." you know, and it's, and it's done and it's there. And I think if people know that, and they know that, you know, you're really there for them and you're building this thing, not from a place of, oh my gosh, I blasted someone on the group call yesterday. I blasted her. Like, I'm a little blunt (laughs) by nature. And she said something that really bothered me. She's like, I've always, because we run the, my programs, um, it's marketing strategy, but A to Z includes sales right? Because in small business, I believe sales is a function of marketing. It's not siloed. It's not separate. You are doing all of this. Um, you're creating a communicating value of your product or service to your target audience to convince them to buy. And if you lose any of those four C's, create, communicate, customer, or convince you ain't got a business and you ain't got marketing. And so she's struggling with sales and lovely. If you're listening to this, this is from a place of love. I like you. <laughs> Cause I know, I know some of my participants listen to the podcast um, and she's like, yeah, I've always struggled selling. And so I'm giving her all these ideas. She's like, but I don't want to do that, but I don't want to do that. But what if someone rips me off there, but I didn't want to hand them that. No, but I just, I just want to sell it. And I'm just like, selling is not about the thing. It's about the person you're selling it to. And if you are not here for them to give them everything they need and the maximum benefit they can get each person that comes to you on a first come first serve basis, that is why you struggled with sales for years. Mm. I'm sorry. Hashtag rant over.
0: <laughs> Beautiful.
1: Because <laughs> that's what it's about at the end of the day. So if I'm here for you and you're here to learn, then we all win. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be hard and it doesn't have to be labor intensive. Not for anybody. If it takes you an hour to explain something that can be explained in five minutes, then you don't understand it very well.
0: So where did you learn a lot of this stuff?
1: Ah. <sighs> That's a just, good question. You, you like a I love that you flip the script on me. Um, I am yeah, a, spot, the, spot the guy
0: with the podcast.
1: Yeah, right. Um, I am a voracious reader. And I learn a lot from other people, sometimes from my podcast guests, right? So a lot yeah, of right. times I learn just from interviewing people. A lot of times um, my guests and I will take that relationship further and learn from each other. <laughs> I learn from my clients because I work with people in all different industries. I learn a tremendous amount from them and I gather all the tools.
0: Mm. Um
1: I'm always learning. Yeah, I'm always learning. I always want to know like what's new, what's better. How can I do this faster? Because I just want to do so much. Mm. And if I'm going to do so much, I'm also, I'm, I'm hyper-organized. I'm, I'm weird. And this very weird blended plane of like big picture and detail. And so I can take that big picture vision goal and say, okay, what are the moving parts I need to break this down? Now, how can I do this smarter, faster, better <laughs> so that I can do more things? Like I had, um, now I don't. I don't do as much cooking. My husband and I have like a cool arrangement going where he's actually a much better <laughs> cook than me. Um, he's the gourmet chef. He has been all the years. I'm a good cook. Um, I do believe that like the less pots or bowls or things you get dirty, just the better it is. <laughs> and he's almost the opposite. Like he'll spend like two hours that What you he makes- You run it like you I run make- your course. Yeah, kind of.
0: you in the like, kitchen the same way. His
1: stuff, yeah. His stuff doesn't taste the same as my stuff, by the way. Like, it doesn't. My stuff is good. His stuff is, like, next level, um, which is why it's so fun, the new arrangement. But In the days, yeah. In the days that I was, like, the main cook, I sat down. So it took me, I think, three hours plus to devise this. But I sat down and I created a monthly menu and also, like, a special weekend menu where, like, you know, if I'm making multiple dishes for, like, fancier things, um, I, I time motion efficiencyed it. I maximized it according to oven and stovetop space, according to the weekly menu, <laughs> dovetailing with the weekend menu. So if making rice on a Tuesday, that could still go for a Friday. And uh, and it took a few hours to do, but then I don't have to think about what I'm going to cook. And every time I do, it's simpler because like sometimes you're sitting there like, oh, can I have this leather? And like, you've done that before. If I thought about it once, why do I have to think about it again? Like they say, Einstein wrote down his phone number. Didn't want to taking up space in his brain. You know? Like if I thought about this once, Amazing. I'm not to think about it again. Let me make it as easy as possible. Um, I record for my clients. Um, you know, I got to the point where I was explaining things, the same thing, again and again and again. And I'm just, I'm out of time. Mm. <laughs> just, I'm out of time. And so what I realized was, why would I explain? And I realized, you know, again, you get to a point in your business where like you just have your way of saying things. Like you have your what if positive, right? That's a teaching. Mm. I don't have to teach that whole thing. Maybe it takes five minutes, 10, maybe 15 to each client individually. I have those teachings pre-recorded, and then there's very often a worksheet, and the client has the whole information and this is again, what's the stuff that's been put into the course now and then we meet, and then we hash it out, and then we figure out exactly how does this apply to you. Did it take me very long to record that video? No. Did it save me bombs of time and energy? So it's that kind of stuff. You got That's me. Talking, awesome. Look at this. You got me being interviewed over here. What's but going I love on it, on the show? I
0: like the. I, I love the. Because I think it's so interesting. Because it's you, you have such a huge amount of talent, and I just think it's it's cool to, you know, hear. It. Yeah, just a little bit like behind the scenes of, of what it actually takes, you know. So it's cool to hear your process and just hear you kind of think out loud. But like the, the the learning thing is big. So that's one of the first things we talk about in our courses. You know, you've got to have that beginner's mindset, especially if you're coming from that golden handcuff scenario where you. Where have, everything's fed to you. Oh, man. Look, here's the hardest thing. when I, When you stop flying, you don't ease your way out of it, you don't go part time and just do one international flight a month. For a couple of months, you, like you're a pilot, one day and then you're not the next. And so, like for me, it was really unexpected because I was a pilot since I was 17 to have that status ripped away from me.
1: Wait, how are you? How are you flying planes at 17? How is that even legal? Oh, I
0: did my first flying lesson at 12. You know, with my instructor, we like a real airplane. Real airplane, solo at 16, private license at 17, left school. Wow. Became a commercial pilot at 18. Yeah. It was an obsession, I'm telling you. It was that, that
1: is an obsession. That is intense. So that's your entire identity. I think that's a big problem when people want to leave their jobs and start a business. And you and I could talk for hours. We're going to have to wrap this up soon. Sure. Um, we're like out of time. But I think that's a big part, I'm sure, of what you do is that shift in identity, right? Because Well, it's, it's, lead- that,
0: it's that beginner's mindset. It's like be yeah. willing to like striple that off and be a nobody. Be willing to like be... You know, the, I think your success in business is, is is how much can you embrace the fact that you know nothing? Like, just don't try to be the leader. Don't try to be the know-it-all. Don't try to be what you were in your career. Come in this and just go, hey, I know nothing. Teach me everything you know. I, I'm not an expert at this, you know. How do you do sales? How do you do this? Hey, when a client drops out, what do you do, SD? How do you, you know, what's the email that you send? So the more, like, the quicker you can let go of the ego, the status and everything and just become a re- obsessive beginner that's where the success will come from
1: totally i love that that's a great note for us to to wrap on um and and that, yeah, really that for you. I just all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I told you we could talk for hours. So yeah. Nathan, where can people find you? Find out more about your 12-week program, find out more about the work you do and you know, maybe get out of their six-figure job and start building their six-figure business. Oh, that's such a good tagline. That is your tagline, right? It should be.
0: Yeah, I say get out of your soul sucking career. So I go a little bit h- harsher than you did.
1: <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs>
0: mm. <laughs>
1: I was giving you like a catchier headline. Oh, yeah. That that could be your press piece, right? Yeah. You know, three steps to turn your six-figure job into a six-figure business. Ooh. There's your press headline. Yeah,
0: I like that. Cool welcome that's what i do for fun um uh, so, job uh, so i do have uh, a little training video that goes through some of the stuff exactly what you're talking about what are the three steps and so on my podcast i've interviewed over 80 high performance people that have done this exact thing so i got a ton of information from them so i wrapped it up into a little video so i'll create a link for you guys nathanseward.com slash sd yeah and you guys can dive into that and and get excited uh otherwise yeah find me on facebook i record my facebook Mm -hmm. so i record my podcast as a facebook live every monday afternoon Uh, so if you want to come and hang out comment chip in that'll be great That's cool yeah i'd love you to have you on by the way
1: all right i'll come that sounds like fun great and then maybe i'll interview you a little bit (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's fine come on my podcast and go no on your podcast yeah. and
1: interview you, you, you. Yeah. Um, so guys we'll put all those links at sdran.com 74 and you can check out nathan at nathanseward.com slash sd to get your free download and go because why not um so nathan at the end i like to actually surprise my guests and ask them for a quote because i'm quote obsessed and i love these mm-hmm. like little pieces of wisdom to send people on their way if you have a quote for us doesn't have to be your favorite one of all time but it can be
0: Oh, I I uh, I do. I think like the basis of everything is Henry Ford's quote, whether you think you can or you think you can't, either way, you are right. You're right. I love that. And if you take a moment to just stew on that, oof, it's all in there.
1: It's all in there. That's everything. I, yep. I think that, and it's such a great reflection of you and your story and and everything that you've just shared with us. That's oh, a, That's you. a perfect wrap up. Guys, all of you listening, I know you're subscribed. Like, I know you're subscribed just in case like there's like this weird like occurrence that you're listening to the show and you're not yet subscribed, hit subscribe, obviously, like you know this stuff's awesome, hit subscribe and you know someone who needs to listen to this. I know that you know someone who is sitting in a six-figure soul-sucking job who wants to start a business. Share this episode with them. Share it through iTunes, through Spotify, wherever you're listening to it or just send them to sdran.com slash 74 and they can listen to it on web stream. But share the love, share the knowledge, share the wealth. You know that's why we're here. That's why you're here. Let's do it. Nathan, thank you so much for joining me.
0: It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thank you to everyone that's taken the time to listen. We appreciate you so much. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?